welcome, 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 podcast listeners. It is episode number 219 of the Fret Talk Podcast. You are here with your host. It's me. It's Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You are also joined by a much more furnished Mr. Matt And Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hey. I mean, we have to, we have to like celebrate the fact that you now have furniture. Yes, it's amazing. I'm actually not living just in an office and a bedroom is fantastic. Like having a sofa that you can sit on and relax and a table to eat at that isn't also where you work for eight <laughs> or nine hours a day. Like, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's illusion of freedom, that isn't it? Where you <laughs> have to eat your, your food at your work desk, essentially. Yeah. There is no escape. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was the case. And it, the worst thing is, because you're right next to your work laptop, it's really easy to just go, oh, I could have done this. And then you just end up fucking doing yeah. stupid amounts of overtime. It's not actual overtime because you, you know, you, you're eating and chatting to your partner and whatever, but you're still also doing 20 minutes of work here and there. And actually, you're, you're not even supposed to be thinking about it. So it's nice to have that separation. Indeed. I mean... I'm starting to think this is this was a, a conspiracy that was that was um, <laughs> masterminded between Marks and Spencers in your workplace. So, can we get a couple of weeks of like super productivity out of Matt? Like yeah, yeah. Say no yeah, more. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, Marks and Spencer, say no more, fam. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, finally all in. We've got a TV unit, and I celebrated by buying a TV. I mean, yeah, of course. Of why would you not? Yeah, so brand new 55-inch TV that doesn't quite fit on the TV unit, but it's close enough that it's not falling off, so it'd be uh, all good. Absolutely, absolutely. I've just noticed that I've got fucking um, what they call patch cables underneath where my feet are, so I do, I do <laughs> apologise to any of the listeners who can hear like a little scraping sound long. <laughs> um, it, it's my feet. I'm trying to get comfortable and... There are just patch cables that are just slightly where I need to be. Yeah. I suppose I could turn my chair a little bit, but that's going to be noisy as well, isn't it? Yeah, or you could just, like, kick the patch cables out of the way. Yeah, I was, I was trying to avoid that. Uh, yeah, well, the, <laughs> like, the one ends in, the, in a pedal. Um, but, yeah, I was I was trying to avoid, like, making excessive noise. But, you know what, I'm going to just lean straight into it and talk about it instead. Uh, <laughs> because... I was going to say, people will be really confused if there is no noise now, so you'll have to do it. Yeah, I'm going to have to edit it in post and, and like, <laughs> mic up my foot. Yeah, boost it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, there you go. That's a, a little peek behind the curtain for, uh, for you Fret Talk listeners. Uh, today, we have got a absolutely wonderful show. Um therapy session um <laughs> where we will be talking about it's it's almost a guitar special this week because there's not a great deal of pedal news um but there are some interesting and interesting outlandish just some really really strange guitars that have uh, been announced this week so i figured we'd go for a theme uh, so we've got <laughs> who have we got we've got fender the theme the theme for the fret talk podcast is finally instruments with frets indeed yeah yeah like it's it only taken 219 episodes to get there <laughs> fuck me it had to happen at some point didn't it <laughs> oh dear um so yeah i mean we've got we've got a fender release we've got a gibson and an epiphone release and i think there's a Schecter as well i think we might mention the Schecter first actually because i'm i'm a little bit <laughs> a little bit excited about that one uh, but anyway before we do any of that, we've got to we've got to kind of massage our own egos, and uh, 
divulge what we've been up to this week, haven't we? Suppose we better add. It, it is tradition, um, so we we shall. So Matthew, I don't think I've ever referred to you as Matthew before. <laughs> Feels weird. I know it's strange. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm going to stop. Matt, what have you been up to this week? Um, so, like, the only guitar stuff I've done is another gig because that's yeah. basically my life is working gig and working gig and. I don't even think I've done a practice this month, which is odd for us, but like, uh, yeah, not not really learning any new songs. We're just gigging so often with both bands that any yeah, any time that we've got, we're just kind of go running over old songs in sound check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so did a gig, um, ironically, at the venue where I lost my analog band to a drunk twat um mm-hmm. but obviously it's a function room so completely different crowd and um, this one was actually for uh, a local charity which is crossroads caring for carers so it's like a, a an association that is put together to kind of give give care in the case where you're like a live at home pet carer for your own parents and stuff and they support you and they would go in and give care whilst you can go and have some time to yourself and they support you in different ways and stuff so um they had a big um like a fundraiser ball nice. um, and we were the the act that went on um for the end of the fundraiser ball so yeah cool it was uh yeah pretty good it was a, the room there was 200 it was full capacity which was 200 people um but um it, everything had kind of overran as they do at this kind of event so we were due to go on at half nine and dessert was being served at 10 o'clock <laughs> So, um, yeah, we basically, we waited for desserts to kind of be mostly kind of served and let people know how they could buy their raffle tickets because the raffle was due to go on before us as well. (laughs) We were just like, yeah, like the, the, the organizer was like, okay, head to that corner if you want raffle tickets and explained how to do it. And then we kind of went on for 45 minutes till about 11, then did the raffle, which luckily there was only you know 10 15 prizes it took it took 10 minutes and then we kind of played on through to midnight but um it's a really good gig actually really enjoyed it uh the crowd were very ready for us like literally i've never been at a gig where like the first song people are swarming down from tables that are like 30 40 50 foot back they're all just kind of trying to make a beeline for the dance floor so like yeah from minute one right the way through there were people up dancing it was great and what was that first song that got them all the uh, way up Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Right on. I mean, that is like crack to white people, that isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean it's, it, we learned well, that as well, actually, at the last gig. Like, Fleetwood Mac is, oh, it's it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, like, everybody seems to love it. It's, it's, what, it's what we, unless we're doing, like, if we're doing a bit more of a chill gig, we might open with Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. And okay. Just to kind of, like, introduce people into it. There's a band on now. You know, yeah, maybe yeah, think about of, getting yeah, get up because we'll, we'll we'll bring the tempo up in a bit. But yeah, um, yeah, it tends to be go your own way for for the most part, and yeah, people love it. We, I mean, we do don't stop as well, um, oh, and we nice. do like there is talk of there's always talk of adding more Fleetwood Mac into the set because everybody everybody loves it. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, they're just one of those bands. Yeah, they were a bit like um, a bit like an easier to dance to version of Queen, aren't they? Yeah, there was also easier to play for, for a lot of it, and certainly for the singer, easier to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, despite the fact that they had, what was it, like three singers in that band? Three or four, like, I think. Because you've got Chris, uh, Christine McVie, you've got okay, yeah. um, um, Buckingham and uh, Nix as well, haven't you? Yeah, Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. And I think... 
didn't one of the other ones do some backing vocals as well i think i think oh, it was a there, there's four part harmonies in some of the songs because i keep getting asked to do the fourth harmony line and i'm like <laughs> i can barely pick out the melody mate to, ask it, to pick out the fourth fuck. fucking harmony line <laughs> i mean that's what i would do that i would i'd sing get to fuck get to fuck <laughs> along with the- <laughs> yeah um, like it, i mean if you want me to sing harmonies i'll sing a couple of octaves below what the lead singer is singing and yeah, yeah. you know that's my harmon that's my version of a harmony like i struggle to find a foot like a third for one note it's fine like you know um if we did twist and shout um, which i've done in the other band um yeah that big co- like coming seventh in on that chord, yeah. like the, the the big seventh chord because you can hear what the next note should be anyway. It's quite easy to bring in a note there. Yeah. But if you're trying to get me to actually sing a song where I'm thinking about a melody line that's not <laughs> exactly an octave above or below or the same octave as what the vocals are, it's not happening. Uh, I've got completely the opposite problem where like, I can sing vocal harmonies along with, with a lot of songs and uh, I... I've got options because I can sing falsetto usually higher than the um, the main melody, so I can I can kind of match that, and it's that's fine. But then I just forget to play guitar, uh, so I become useless as a guitarist <laughs> at that point. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there is that. Um, I I had to go because um, I didn't I didn't have a microphone for the last last gig that I did, um, but I had to go at, um, sing along the the kind of male harmony for it um in rehearsals it went fantastically and it sounded amazing during the actual gig i was singing along with it i couldn't hear myself because the crowd was so fucking loud <laughs> so it, it like and i ended up just straining my voice trying to try to bellow over the yeah. top of them yeah i'm gonna have to practice yeah. that one <laughs> yeah i mean like I've, I've not done any backing vocals for the last month and a half that you remember the episode about five weeks ago where i said i've got a cold yes yes I'm still at the point where if i push my voice at all i then just have a coughing fit um so yeah, that's yeah fair. i just I, I i can't do any kind of back and vocals at the moment normally I, I mean there's only like four or five songs that i sing on so it's not the kind of a key part of things that are like you know it, it, we can definitely get away with it in the gig the, the drummer yeah. has got a really good ear doesn't even need to hear himself and he's singing harmony lines in tune and the keyboard player as well um sings a lot of harmony so we, we can get away without me the only place we struggle a little bit is we do um what's the credence clearwater revival song that tina turner did uh, what now proud mary is that a credence song that's a Creedence Clearwater Revival song. Shit, man. Like um, Their version doesn't have a, like, a slow bit and a fast bit, but that's a Creedence Clearwater Revival song. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. But yeah, um, so yeah, we, we do the, the Tina Turner version, but obviously the low part of rolling, I sing two octaves lower than anybody else. Do you, so do, do, you do the, it, um, like the, the uh, counter melody at the start where it's, where it's low and uh, it's... But the good job oh, in the city. city. I, I yeah. don't actually. We, we just, I just like the keyboard player because I I generally tend to be like either tuning or doing something else in that bit because I'm not playing guitar. Um, and he can go fairly low for it. It's not as low as it is on the record, but um, yeah, he's he's better at doing any kind of harmonies. And sometimes they'll move apart and then come back together. Um, yeah. Because both him and the, the the singer are really good singers. 
Um, but yeah, the only time I ever notice when I'm not singing that anything sounds a bit wrong, well, not even wrong, just different. It, yeah, it yeah, just sounds a bit flat for the for the rolling. Um, because I'm so much lower than everybody else. Yeah. Just because my voice is obviously fairly deep. Um, Big old manly noticed. voice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the only time where I kind of notice. And I don't think anybody, I, don't, I doubt even the band notice when I'm not doing back on vocals. So <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely doesn't matter too much. Yeah. Um, even in the other band, like there's like the odd song that we do for club gigs where like uh, I'll shout what the drummer sings in a couple of Arctic Monkey songs. But yeah. Nice. Like, yeah, we don't even tend to do those for parties. Like, they're, they're more like, you know, like, I can't even remember what the songs are now. I think it might be Teddy Pickers, one of them, and uh, Fake Tales of San Francisco. But, like, it's it's all lines that either, they're, they're songs that we don't do for parties and stuff, or it's it's lines that other people can pick up fairly easily. Fucking love uh, Fake Tales of San Francisco. Such a great show. It's, it's my favourite. Like, that and A Certain Romance off that first album. The, yeah. the certain romance is the, the the outro track. Yeah, yeah. Are my two favorite monkeys tracks. But yeah, um, we don't. We, we only did fake tales for a short while, and then we stopped kind of doing public gigs for a while, and it's kind of fallen out of favor. But yeah. the just shouting the shouting the kind of outro at the end is just yeah, I absolutely love it. I, do, I love how um, how like how accurate uh, a representation of the scene at the time it was. That whole album is just perfect. Like, there's there's so much to just like, uh, yeah. But yeah, like, it's especially the the line that gets me in fake tales is the weekend rock stars in the toilets practicing their lines. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, it's just absolutely perfect for mid two thousands. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I I knew like tons of because uh, like I I used to be on the kind of the music scene when I was in my like early twenties, and there were so many um, kind of metalheads. Slash kind of like the kids who liked grunge when they were in school. There were a bunch of those who then, uh, like they cut their hair and started wearing cardigans and fucking skinny jeans. <laughs> and that that song just reminds me of all of those, yeah. like kind of trend following fuckheads, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and and that whole album like. I'm pretty sure the story behind it is like a lot of it was like taken from Alex Turner did an English degree at university and like part of his thing was to like analyze the local like the local like nightlife scene and you you hear it in quite a lot of those songs on that first album like Red Light Indicates Doors is Secure is another one where it's like just basically an an, an analysis of a night out in yeah Riot Van in in, yeah Riot Van's another good one Um, but yeah like all of them are just kind of like an analysis of a night out in Sheffield at the time yeah yeah and they they absolutely crack on like it is just 2000s Britain isn't it I fucking love um, Mardi Bum as well from that album. Absolutely yeah. love that tune because it is. <laughs> it's just it's so British. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, the, like um, there's a really good version of Mardi Bum that they did at Glastonbury the last time they were there, where like he he cuts it right back and it's a very different song, but um, it's it's fairly soulful. Like it's pretty much just him and a guitar for like the first part of it and then they kind of build it into a crescendo with like a, a string section behind it and then pull it back out again towards the end. But yeah. I I, I that entire album is probably the my favourite album released during my lifetime. Yeah, I mean I can't fault it 
I listened to it from start to finish without moaning. Without skipping a track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And like, like the um, the ones that were charting at the time were like, um, better you look good on the dance floor. When the sun um, goes down. When the sun goes down, yeah, yeah. Those, those two, and you're like, oh, this is kind of upbeat and punky. And then they had more substance to it with with the slower tracks and and yeah the the album just because I, I, I come to it really late actually i come to it probably about 10 years after um 10 years after it was released because of those um those kind of kids who had, had kind of shifted in the scene yeah uh, and i was like i i don't want to be those guys i'm gonna like i'll like fuck the kooks f- fuck yeah. like kasabian <laughs> and and all of these kind of guys and arctic monkeys got kind of got lumped in with that um yeah but i'm so glad that i picked it up later because it's such a wicked album and then the one that followed as well was really good as well yeah fluorescent adolescent yeah, yeah. that was that the album that the, that no the no no it's not is that just a song in it yeah yeah but the um, one with fluorescent as an adolescent on yeah I can't even remember what that fucking album's called now. That's going to annoy me. But yeah, those first two albums and their fifth album I really enjoyed as well. There's a couple of songs on their fifth album that weren't great, but yeah. um, three, you could really tell that they tried to take a different direction and it just kind of, it was fine. It was all right. Like, I think that was the one where Josh Homer first come in to help produce and then he pretty much like half wrote half of the second album with them. But I'll show you the fourth album with them. But yeah, the, yeah. the third and fourth kind of just took a, took a bit of a dip for me and there's like one song I really like on the albums and the rest of them are kind of okay and then we just don't talk about the sixth album because it's, it's... Oh, is that the... Uh, that's, that's the piano. Space Boy Control playtime yeah, or whatever it's called gra- ground control to major tom but <laughs> i mean um, can't say that, <laughs> that that's the uh the album you can really tell that alex turner did an english degree on isn't it <laughs> it is and it, yeah it's he basically had decided that he's david barry and he's not quite as talented as, as david barry was i mean i think barry himself was was a bit overrated there there are some absolutely banging berry tunes but this is from like albums and albums and oh, yeah, albums yeah. worth of material and uh, like he's not not um i saw somebody doing a there was i just had youtube on in the background and somebody was doing an analysis of under pressure where they kind of mentioned that actually david barry's vocal range is no nothing special compared to anybody else's compared to freddie's obviously he's got the just this monster vocal range and oh yeah, yeah. Act, and if you look at the kind of bowie's output the first couple of albums didn't do that well he finally kind of had one hit on an album that kind of pushed the next next album on a little bit and actually there's maybe 20 songs that people like over yeah 20 yeah. albums worth of kind of output absolutely like bowie you could you could probably fill two albums worth of like absolute killer material yeah, and but there's still 18 albums left. Of- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely that. And to be fair, like the 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 killer two albums worth of material would be absolutely banging albums. But like, it's it's an yeah. entire career's worth of. Yeah, but like the, the, that last Arctic Monkeys album, getting back into what we were talking about, it just like it it feels like he was trying to write the kind of stuff that David Barry was doing, but none of them were a hit. Like it just there, there wasn't one song on the album that I could hum you the melody to. Yeah, they were all very avant-garde, weren't they? It was it yeah. was all very kind of um, that that episode of South Park where um, 
where they all buy Priuses and sniff their own farts. Um, it just it had an air of that about. <laughs> About yeah, it. I mean, like it, it. It reminded me of a different episode of South Park. There's a they, they do a Guitar Hero one called Guitar Quero, and, and he just reminds me of the kid who was playing Guitar Hero acoustically. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that sounds like what t- Alex Turner's kind of got to at this point. He was like, yeah, I'm stepping away from from the old style, and I'm I'm, I'm taking it this new route, and I'm going to do it acoustically. But obviously, it's a fucking Guitar Hero controller, so it's just click 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 click. click. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the fact that we can arrive at two different um, South Park episodes from this one chap, just, yeah, like completely. Um, but I th- I'm sure we we were talking, <laughs> talking about yeah. something. Sorry, like, yeah, I did a gig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah um, circling it back around. actually had a bit of problem in that my uh, Origin 20 started making some fizzing sounds instead of music sounds um, and I actually had to crank the balls off it to get any volume um, but to the point that I was my clean sound was overdrive so um, it's a good job I was supporting it with the Hayden so I could kind of like yeah I need I need to I still haven't actually taken it out of the van but I need to bring that in and have a look at that bear in mind that I've also got a gig the day after tomorrow <laughs> I mean if anything makes an amp work better it's leaving it in a van yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> It help, the, the water helps join the, the, the whatever joint's broken. Yeah, well, it also helps my kitchen fucking ceiling. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to try and sort that out because, um, yeah, just all of my amps just are having problems at the moment. I've just had a nightmare kind of few months with the Vox going. The, yeah. the base breaker that I bought took a tumble when we were moving so oh, that no. no longer works um yeah that was just it was my own stupid fault again just you know not not carrying it cleverly enough and kind of fell off my shoulder onto the floor and now is silent and this uh, this comes on the same day that chris wilson posted in one of our groups bass breakers are an absolute bastard to work on yeah Ooh. like yeah no you, it's yeah it might end up being parts yeah, well, like, basically, I mean, like, bearing in mind that I've also got the um, the Hughes and Kettner that I never talk about because that's got a short in it that needs looking at. I'm just going to have to put all of my amps in the back of a van, find a tech in the UK and drop them at the tech and just go contact me when, if if any of them are usable ever again. That's it, yeah. If if they work, make them yeah. work, please. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've st- like I say, I've still got the Haydens, so um, I've still got something, and I've also got the Simplifier, and I'm actually in two minds about just buying an FRFR speaker. Yeah, and just running that as Running the Simplifier in. into that, and then sending a signal to the desk as well. I mean, it makes things a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, it goes against everything that I've ever said in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. But- <laughs> To be fair, like... I, it's probably I, a good backup option, though. Yeah, I, I was mulling over the idea of, like, running the um, the HX Stomp, Stomp into, like, into one of the guitar amps that I've got and just running it into the effects return so that you can basically get all of the tones from the, the Stomp and then using the speaker as just a speaker, really. Yeah. Um, but I, I resisted that urge and ran with my old, like, <laughs> Wix... 4B12 <laughs> um, pedal board, like really, really DIY fucking pedal board. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, this it's very tempting. It really is very tempting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really tempted to just 
break down my entire board and set up a simplifier board and just yeah have a, an frfr and then when my amps are fixed revisit it again but like i could quite easily just yeah set up a a board that was just everything running into the simplifier the simplifier running into either an frfr or if we're at a gig where they they've got decent enough monitors straight into the desk i mean you don't necessarily need to do that if you've got a, an amp that the speaker works on just take the cab sims off it straight into the speaker that and there you go yeah i'm just trying to think if i've got anything that's got an effects loop mm. <laughs> i think the only amp that i've got that's got an effects loop is the origin okay so i don't think that's a solution okay yeah all right, yeah, F- FRFRs aren't particularly expensive. But yeah, right? no, you, like the Headrush ones, which people actually say are pretty good. Um, like the even the, you've got a choice between an eight inch and a twelve inch one, and they're like two hundred and twenty quid and two hundred and eighty quid or something. No, that's not bad at all, is it really? Yeah, I mean, when it like I say, when I, when it's that, I'll spend like what I really want is another AC fifteen C two, and they're seven nine nine now, so. <laughs> quite a different price jump and like the other thing that i've been doing is like oh matt you turn 30 in like two weeks time why don't you just buy a really nice Antoine finance <laughs> i mean and i'm just yeah like I, I i spent an evening where i just was struggling to sleep just scrolling through the peach website and i'm going can i really justify buying a four grand amp on finance i'm like no matt you can't stop looking at this and i'm like but it's a two rock no but it's a two rock no oh look a friedman no (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i can see where this kind of train of thought will eventually pull into station (laughs) and uh You're gonna have a, a like a graveyard of broken amps, and then this beautiful <laughs> new. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like actually, what's 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 still open on a tab on my phone is a um, a Morgan AC twenty. Ooh, I mean, and then, like the the best thing is though, completely out of stock in the UK for all of their shit, all of their um, things, and all of them have got three month lead times on the combo. The heads aren't a three month lead time, but the combos are. <laughs> There you go. I mean, that's saved you for at least three months. <laughs> uh, so I should probably talk some about what I've done this week. And I've kind of alluded to the fact that the gig happened and I, I did the gig. Woo! Um, and I I took a leap of faith with the gig. Uh, like I've obviously had the, the bits where things went out of tune and bits where uh, <laughs> things weren't quite as, didn't go as planned. Um, but I took a, a leap of faith with the amp. Um, I bought along both my HT5 and my um, Classic thir- uh, yeah, Classic 30. Um, yeah. I left the Classic 30 in the car as a backup and gigged the HT5. Okay. Because um, I wanted to see if it were possible. But you play funk songs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need quite a clean sound for that so you you went for the lower headroom yes i did yes um interesting so you how it worked out i mean because we're um we've got our own pa for the uh the band essentially so it's it's always going to be mic'd um and okay. i had it on the clean channel probably about two thirds up now I, I have run the clean channel completely full cocked before and i know that 
once you get past about two thirds up, the volume doesn't get any higher. Yeah, you're just driving the tubes. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't necessarily start um, adding gain, but you add a, a bit of compression at least. Yeah. Um, so I was very much on that precipice. Um, but also the fact that the amp was pretty much two thirds um, like open meant that it was a really good sound. Yeah, that, I mean that is the one thing. Like that's that's why I am still still looking at like fifteen watt amps is because I just want to crank them, and you can't do that with a fifty watt amp because people shout at you. Yeah, well that's especially it, isn't... drummers and sound engineers. Yeah, well, yeah, that that was my thought process. I was, I was like, I'm sure because like my one is one of the um, original HT fives as well, so it's got the ten inch speaker rather than the twelve. Yeah. Um, so it, it really, like, if it were going to struggle, it were going to struggle. Um, there's no reason why it shouldn't struggle because on paper, that is not enough. Um, but it was enough to kind of, to combat the the drums. So it was like, it was enough that I could monitor myself to hear hear what was going on. And the sound was actually really, really quite well balanced on stage. Um, and it, it gave the sound engineer enough um, enough volume that he could then mix me in quite nicely. Um, so I, I was quite proud of that. Quite proud that I managed to get <laughs> essentially a five watt amp to gig. Yeah. Uh, and and like you say, it was on a clean channel as well. Um, yeah, that that's that shocked me. Like if you were doing like a, a fairly rock set, and you know you could crank the preamp and the and the power amp, and just kind of like have it as the entire amp cooking at kind of everything at nine, then I'd like, I'd, I'd have more expected it. But the fact that you've managed to get it clean and still loud enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was pushing the front end a little bit. So it was kind of crunchy clean with uh, a mojo mojo, like pushing the volume a bit more as well. Um, and it worked beautifully. It just worked really nice. Um, cool. And like I said, we had a few, a few hiccups that, I will potentially look out for in the future. <laughs> um, and because I'm starting to gig a little bit more now, I am seriously considering doing a rehaul of my board because my board was never, never designed to gig. <laughs> yeah. It was it was designed to be a, a shelf for the, the, the pedals <laughs> that I wanted to use. Um, and it works. It works very well for that. And the board itself actually is not, not too bad, but the Velcro situation is horrendous. Look, I keep having boards, uh, sorry, uh, pedals falling off the board. Yeah, I mean, my, I, I have that issue, but my biggest issue is like, I will put the pedals on the board the day that I stick them in the back of the van to do the gig. So the blue <laughs> never has time to set. So yeah. that things like... Yeah, after about a couple of weeks, so like falling off all over the place. And what I really need to do is like I have a three or four week period coming up where I'm not gigging. So what I really need to do is redo my board then and leave it set, all the pedals weighted down, like just left completely flat for like three days so that everything can set properly. Yeah, I mean, the the issue I've got on mine, and it's, it's mainly two pedals that are doing it, um, and they are um, they're mower pedals. And I've not taken the um, the rub because it's like a rubber backing on the more yeah. pedals, 
Uh, so I've stuck it directly to the the kind of silver foil sticker that they've got on the back. Like the I've stuck the um, the Velcro to it. It's not particularly great Velcro as is, but what's happened is it's basically just pulled the sticker off. Yeah, pulled the sticker off, and then the um, the thing the pedal basically flaps. Then yeah, um, so I'm I'm thinking like do it properly. Um, take the take the rubber uh, rubber feet off the back because actually the resale on a more pedal isn't isn't so much that I'm ruining 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 it. <laughs> oh, oh no, you might not get back that fifty quid that you invested, but you probably yeah. didn't actually because you probably bought it second hand for that thirty five quid. No, I, I I did actually buy that because uh, it's the I've got the the green mile which is the eight oh eight and the uh, the ensemble king and I'm sure I bought those both. Um, both brand new, and I bought them from Anderton, so it would have been like thirty-five quid a pop with a, um, a patch cable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that I mean that's that's quite expensive for a mower. Um, however, it's like I've had them nigh on like eight eight or nine years now. It's yeah, time. So that I was gonna say they've probably given you that value back anyway. So absolutely. I mean the you're, fact you're that not... I've, I've done any gigs with them and they've not yeah. broken is. They've paid for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I've got much better pedals, though. I've got much better pedals that I could have in those positions. Um, but I, I was talking with the um, the guy who runs the band, who's the keyboard player, because um, he, he assumed that I was running, like, expensive gear for all of my stuff, and I was like, <laughs> are you having a laugh? Uh, <laughs> And and I kind of I justified to him it to him at the time, uh, but it actually makes sense because I was just kind of like waffling really. Uh, but I, was, I said to him like, if if people spill beer on these pedals, like I'm not going to lose sleep. I've got a, like behind me <laughs> while we do this cast. I've I've probably got five pedals that will replace any Each one of them. the ones. Yeah, <laughs> the only ones that I, I can't replace is I, I'm using the um, the Chevtone Preacher prototype um and if that does get damaged i i will be pretty sad because it's like it's a hallmark of history really um like it was one of uh one of the first of the preacher's design um and the the actual production model doesn't sound quite like this one um i mean it sounds great don't get me wrong but it doesn't sound the same yeah. Uh so I would I'd be really sad if that one went. Um and the other one is and this is for oh what's the song? Uh Nutbush City Limits by Tina Turner. It's the only song I use it on, but it does an absolutely fab job. It's uh it's a Jed's Peds version of the Mutron um auto filter kind of thing. And it saves me having to wah for an entire song. <laughs> but it, it absolutely nails the tone as well. Um, and I haven't got another auto wah, so if that does end up getting beer spilt on it, I'm going to have yeah, to do okay, a bit of soldering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's easily replaceable because, like, Jed's a legend, has those in stock. Um but it would require a little bit of effort on my part. Um, everything else on that pedal board, including the power supply, are so fucking cheap. <laughs> like, so, so cheap. 
Yeah. Um, uh, like, uh, aside from the uh, the Mojo Mojo as well, actually, which is not as cheap, but is still quite quite readily available. And I've got two of us, so <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's not a problem there. Um, but yeah, I should probably probably get to like setting a pedal board and setting it properly. I think I'll what I'll do is remove those um the the rubber f- kind of backings from the mower pedals and invest in some uh 3M jewel lock. Yeah. Cuz yeah. Everyone goes on. I highly recommend. Yeah. I highly recommend it like it's definitely like the yeah, if you especially if you actually bother to like do it in advance rather than doing it and then immediately standing on those pedals all night and then sticking it in the back of a van where instead of being weighted down it's leant forward and dragged the pedals are like dragged off by gravity yeah. like if you actually just like leave it on for a day for it to actually like stick properly yeah yeah 3m is definitely the way to go just you know don't fuck around <laughs> yeah instantly yeah. do it just before a gig because then yeah like i say I, I, that's the problem I've always had, though, is I've always done it. So whether it was um, Velcro or 3M, it's never the joint between the the, the the stuff itself. It's always the fact that either it's left in the back of a cold van and it's all lent forward and that, you know, doesn't help the glue. Yeah. Or it's just the fact that, like, I, yeah, I've put I've put it on a pedal board and then I've kicked it for three hours um, <laughs> whilst the glue isn't set. And yeah. then, surprise, surprise, the glue wasn't set and the thing's coming away from the pedal or the thing's coming away from the board. Yeah, but the... Uh the the attachment itself is absolutely spot on. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're still stuck together. The problem is the fucking pedal falls off the glue. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, now you mention it, the um, the Velcro will probably do alright because it, it's never the Velcro. The Velcro is always stuck. It's fine. It works. It's the glue on the back of the <laughs> yeah. Velcro. Um, I, I was toying with the idea of like um, putting a like a solid sheet down rather than beams that I've got. Um, and then drilling the specific holes that I need um, so that I can have like all of the wiring going underneath but then also have it cable tied to the, the board yeah I've seen it done before it's not a bad idea but um, yeah it's it's a bit of a pain to do I think but yeah I mean it's very final isn't it and it it means that if you do it you you have to have been agreed on the the pedal order and everything. Yeah, and it's got to be stable for a while, otherwise you're just drilling more holes every three weeks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You end up with like a Swiss cheese board on the top, and then that ruins the structure of it. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, this board hasn't changed a hell of a lot for about five years, so um, I think I'll probably be alright with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I had the thing today where my mum's just asked me, oh, what, what what do you want for your 30th? And I was like, oh, I haven't got a clue. And she's like, do you need anything for your pedal board? And I'm going, <laughs> do you know what? I haven't thought about it for a while. So that, I mean, the answer's therefore definitely no, but yeah. still going to think about it. But like, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I've said, I've got enough drive pedals to change in and out that i like that i don't really need any more drive pedals yeah but I, I don't think like but i've got the hot cake the brexit the um the hot coals i've then got my like um two chef tones i've got the hello sailor stuff mm-hmm. um 
I've obviously then got the Razor Dead and the um, 37FX Fat Guy Little Coat Fuzzers. Like, I've got enough drive that even if I want to chop and change, like, I've, yeah, I, do, I definitely don't need any more. <laughs> I didn't even mention the Antares, so I've got the Antares as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't really need any more drive. Like, the OC2 is pretty stable as my octave pedal. Like, I don't think I'll ever change that. Could probably do with a more expensive phaser, but actually the phaser I've got sounds fine. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a nude chorus on the way, so my analog man chorus. So I don't I not don't need to replace that. The M5 that does half my delays, and I've also got the the TC delay that I've got there. I've got the mini half and the full size half, so I've got enough reverb. So I, I don't actually think. I need anything like I've even got two power supplies underneath it which is a little bit overkill but it just means that if anything shits the bed I can run all of the rather than running the drives individually I can run them all on a um daisy yeah. like yeah a daisy chain and then still power the rest of the board so actually I think the answer's no <laughs> I know it's a sad sad time isn't it yeah. I mean, I've still got like, I've still got other pedals lying around that you know, if, if worse comes to worse, and I feel like making a change or whatever, I've still got, still got the wire. The fact, by the, despite the fact that it's not been on a board for four years. Yeah, but the the moment you get rid of them all, like you get rid of all your wire pedals, and then someone will suggest, oh, let's do this Hendrix tune, or oh, let's do this really. Like this, this song that really, really needs a wire pedal. Oh, yeah, absolute fuckers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to need it at some point, so I'm not. Yeah, like I say, we've spoken about it before. But actually, despite the fact that I don't use one of the board, it's one of the last pedals I'd get rid of is my crybaby. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I, I agree. And and sometimes you just want to plug in a crybaby and be an absolute tip with it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. There's like. My mini board that at the moment is set up as my simplifier board, but like in the past I've had that where it's been two drive pedals and a wah pedal so that if I feel like playing along to some Hendrix or if I feel like playing a bit of blues, you know, you, you plug that in and away you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I've just... <laughs> I, our little kind of Nostradamus moment before this uh, before this cast, we said, oh, we'll probably get like 40 minutes in before we get to it, even any news. Um <laughs> Have you just it, yeah. the time? I'm, I'm going to put the uh, I'm going to put the lottery on this week, obviously, because I can clearly tell the future. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'll do a little bit of kind of mopping up here because I've got um, the two no talkal tones. Uh, I mean, last week's one was the I set phaser, I think, um, possibly that might have been it before. Um, it was all right. It's v- I think it's the same circuit as the Moor, uh, like Orange 90 or what it was called. Um, quite nice. Um, I could be convinced to put it on my board. Uh, but this week I've recorded two, uh, no talk or tones, um, because next week I'm going on holiday. Um, don't worry, dear listeners, it doesn't like it's not going to affect the podcast i should be back in time to record it um it does however like put me out of commission for the most part of the week which means i'll have absolutely no time to record any videos so i had to do two this week so i think the order that i've got them in is the sonic egg digital reverb is coming up last friday (laughs) 
it, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming up this Friday for us, but it'll be it'll be the, the most recent one that that came out. Um, it's a three mode reverb, all of which are are digital. I think it's room, hall, and plate, and basically it's the same algorithm, but the decay setting is like very short for the room kind of medium for the hall and then very long for the plate it gets quite extreme uh on the kind of the plate mode with the mix all the way up um it's like it, it can get quite ambient and i think i think some people might like that i preferred it when it was in that like kind of room two-thirds mix or um hall a third and you just got like a little bit of sort of ambience and you it's at a point where you're not necessarily sure if it's on or if it's off if you switch it off you really notice yeah uh, so I, I really dug it for that but i think some people might might get behind the whole really washy reverb settings on it um and actually i listened back to a bit of the demo before i posted it up and it when you when i listen back to it it sounds really good at that in that setting um but i don't like playing with that much reverb <laughs> it, it confuses me um so there's that one and there's uh, like possibly the strangest pedal that i've um demoed on the no talk or tone will be coming out this following friday uh, which is two Fridays in advance for us, and it's the uh, the Iset Acoustic Simulator. All oh, right, okay. Um, I like I remember the old Boss one, and expected it to be like that, which was very not good. Um, I remember it being really shit sounding. Um, I actually had fun with this one. It obviously doesn't sound as good as the Variax models it's it's nowhere near in the same league um but i can see it being really useful for like if you're in like it, the kind of bands that we're in that do like covers tunes and, and whatnot and you're mostly playing electric but you've got a few tunes that really need like a plugged in acoustic sound and you don't want to drag an acoustic along to your gig like absolutely ideal for that and the sounds were really i'm, I'm not gonna say really good because they're not they're not supposed to be like acoustic simulator pedals aren't supposed to sound like acoustic guitars they just don't but it sounds enough like a like a di'd acoustic that you'd get away with it and for like if if you're doing like three or four songs in a set with it i'd say absolutely and yeah, I, rem I remember back in the day, these uh, the, like the boss version was about ninety quid, and for ninety quid, I'm like, the sound isn't that good. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not yeah, it's not I mean, ninety quid's worth of guitar. I had one of the AC threes, which was the the later one, which sounded a bit better, but still, yeah. Like I I picked it up secondhand for fifty quid, and for fifty quid I was happy with it, but for a hundred quid I'd have probably been like, yeah, let's just leave it. Yeah, I mean you can you can kind of fake it uh, to a similar degree, like putting it in position two or four, 
rolling the volume back a little bit. Like yeah. strumming with a lighter pick, maybe. Um, bit of reverb on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Maybe maybe like a touch of chorus, just a a, a very light smattering of chorus and you're getting, getting close <laughs> enough. Um, these, I think they come in about something like 20, 25 quid. So... I reckon that's well worth a punt for like, like a set, a couple of songs in your set. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. So, like, I was well impressed with that, and it's gold as well. Like, who doesn't want a gold pedal? <laughs> like a gold pedal that's not got a horse on the front. It's just so ideal. Right, let's do a bit of news. Go on, let's yeah, do some news. Yeah. Uh, first bit of news is that pink Schecter that I was talking about. Uh, it is Ooh. exact. Pink. Exactly. Uh, and it's not shell pink, so it's not jumping on any bandwagons. Uh, <laughs> it is, however, it is tickets to my downfall pink. Okay, I assume that's a reference to the guy. Uh, I assume so as well. I mean, we we know a grand sum total of fuck all about this chap, don't we? <laughs> I mean, I'd heard of him and... You then gave me some more information on him about who he's dealt, who he's dated, yeah, or he's yeah. dating. That's the sum total of my knowledge of this person. Yeah. So I mean, like the most famous thing that he's done is Megan Fox. Um, <laughs> it is Machine Gun Kelly. Um, he has uh, got a a Schecter signature guitar. So he's now amongst the uh, the the ranks of. Uh, like Sinister Gates, I think he's got a Schecter. Uh, Nick Johnston. Nick Johnston. The other guy from Avenged Sevenfold as well, he had a Schecter. Okay. Um, who else? Jeff Loomis has a Schecter signature. Um, not sure there's any more. I think that's it. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. I don't, don't know Schecter very well as a brand. The well, only reason I know the Nick Johnston is because you were talking about how good it was and I was then coveting one for the longest time. And, and and you still should because they are still fantastic. Yeah. And they yeah. also come in pink. They do. They do. Uh, but yeah, the Machine Gun Kelly uh, signature, usually this is news that we would brush right the fuck over um, because we don't know who Machine Gun Kelly is. We're, I don't know, are we are we old? Is it the kids who were wrong? Uh, <laughs> I think both of those statements are correct. <laughs> yeah, don't, I don't think this is an either or. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so Machine Gun Kelly, we think he's a musician. Don't quote us. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so well, I thought he was a hippity hoppity guy, but apparently he's pop. But again, neither of us are really confident on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the reason I wanted to share this one um, is because it's a. It's a Telecaster style guitar. Like I love Telecasters. It's pink. Matt loves pink guitars. Um, yep. It's like it's a single humbucker in the bridge. It's got a volume and a kill switch and no like no Esquire switching. So it's kind of like simple rock punk guitar kind of vibe. Yeah. It reminded me. Like so much of the Avril Lavigne Telecaster, like the Squire Avril Lavigne Telecaster, which, like towards the end of its life cycle, were going for like ninety quid. I think they were just trying to get rid of them because no fucker wanted them. But then they got like a massive following afterwards because they were like put together pretty decent, and 
actually they're pretty bitching. Like they got the, pretty cool. Yeah, they got the like the the two tone uh, pit guard on them. Like the fretboard was really simple. It had like a a symbol like the like one of the frets, I think, and that was it. So it, it got got like this kind of real hot rodded look to it. And people realised that these guitars were like punching well above their weight. Um, and it ended up being a bit of a cult classic. I think, and this is my prediction right now, I think these have that potential. I mean, these are never going to go for 90 quid because they are a much better <laughs> spec guitar. Um, so I think let, let's have a look at some of the some of the specs actually. So older body maple neck, carbon fiber reinforced maple neck shell out ad, which is okay. So does does that add anything to the? <laughs> yeah. So um, VGA guitars use a carbon fiber reinforcement rather than a truss rod. Um, so it's oh wait, so this is in replacement of a truss rod. On this, no. So this has oh, right, got a, like, on... a two, like a dual action truss rod and the carbon fiber reinforcement. Okay. But I'm imagining it, it makes the neck as stable as like say like a roasted neck. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, it's 24 frets. Like that is what it is, uh, and comes with a Schecter Pasadena Plus humbucker, uh, which is apparently one of their USA made humbuckers. Uh, as I mentioned, volume and a kill switch. Um, they are Indonesian made, and they are eight nine nine dollars. Okay, it's a bit pricey. Don't get me wrong. It is, but it's not like yeah. it's not out of the realms of anything else that like is out there at the moment. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that like, the Edo Brian was, a I think yeah, I think that was just shy of a grand when it and like. Yeah. Brad Paisley was over a grand, and then like they were trying to sell the Monterey uh, Jimi Hendrix Strat for over a grand. Yeah, and they all ended up under a grand, but they started at like yeah twelve nine nine or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly that. Like so, this although it's perhaps a bit pricey at the moment, I still think like in terms of the the spec is is okay. It's definitely okay. Yeah. But, and it actually, it doesn't look hideous either. Like, I've no idea who Machine Gun Kelly is. Like, we, like we've been over, but I actually quite like the look of it. I've seen it a couple of times, and yeah, yeah, yeah it it it's a fairly nice looking guitar. And like, I it, it like it doesn't look like it's a somebody's signature per se. It just looks like a single humbucker pink Telecaster. And I think that's that's the thing that made the Avril Lavigne quite a quite a classic as well. Because that that was very very subtle. I mean, it were like the the checker checkerboard um, the pickguard pick wasn't subtle, but it like it was a subtle um, signature. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, it's a pickguard for a tally. It's not like you can't pick another one up if you don't particularly like that, but you like the rest of the specs of the guitar. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so what the what the Avril had. Um, Avril Gavril uh, had in um, sorry my missus calls Avril Levine Avril Gavril not, not a clue <laughs> why um, but it just makes me laugh um, what, the, what the Avril Gavril had uh, going for it was that it was really cheap um, 
and yeah. it, it actually really surprised people. This doesn't have that on its side, but I still think once like the production run of these kind of stop, I think people will be kind of jonesing for them. Yeah, and I think the the other thing to think about is like, and I know other podcasts have talked about this in the past, but like big name pop stars or pop stars that are in the charts having having signature models mm. gets guitar more out there than maybe like I mean I'm not being funny but if you asked a 14 year old who Jimi Hendrix was these days they probably wouldn't have a clue but they might know who Machine Gun Kelly is and if like they find out that he's got a signature guitar it might just drag some people over like Ed Sheeran's might have done like the Taylor Swift Taylor um, like that kind of thing it's it's just maybe getting guitar out there into more people's minds like I'd, i'm not saying anybody's going to pick up a guitar purely because machine gun kelly's got a signature model but they might think about it a little bit more yeah absolutely and i'm what i'm hoping is that like uh, like people from other like genres and people with other musical backgrounds go actually that's a pretty wicked looking guitar doesn't matter whose signature it is i'm gonna go for it yeah um much like the um, the gym route is like these days. Yeah, uh, you see them everywhere now. Absolutely, and that's that's because they're a banging spec um, guitar and a, something a bit out of left field. And I think that's what this is. Um, I'm I'm well up for it. I'm not going to buy one, but I'm well up for it. I'm I'm like championing this. I'm saying ten years time, Machine Gun Kelly, Machine Gun Kelly Telly. Is gonna be, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be the one. It's gonna be the one. Right, going from a guitar of generally affordable um, specs to Fender Custom Shop. We <laughs> yeah, Fender Custom Shop. They have so underground as well. Then uh, I mean, sorry, under hundred grand as well. Then. Oh, it's definitely under 100 grand, yeah. Okay, so um, Fender Custom Shop, uh, Yuri Shishkov has, has had... I mean, he's obviously been doing some some kind of substances. There's <laughs> been something going on. Maybe it's like the uh, the nitrocellulose lacquer. He's, he's, he's not doing it in ventilated areas. Starting to see little pixies... <laughs> dancing around the shop um he's he's come up with an idea hasn't he he's he's went you know what you know what we need in the fender catalog the custom shop fender catalog we need a limited run of violin telecasters and and <laughs> some someone at fender went yeah that sounds like a fucking great idea let's do it um so the the famous violin uh, manufacturer or like sorry Luthier um, oh, what was his name he was an Italian chap called Stradivari I think it was um, the the man behind the Stradivarius um, violins even if you are not a violin connoisseur you will probably have heard of the Stradivarius violin yeah. they go like there, there's so few in in uh, circulation at the moment because it was one guy who was making these violins by hand um they go for upwards of a million for these violins and yuri shishkov went i'm gonna get on that train uh and (laughs) and decided that they needed to make a telecaster 
that that had similar specs and was like similar woods and all of this to the uh, the Stradivarius violins. Right. The first thing that I'm going to pull up on this, they have called it the Violin Master, and it is a Telecaster-shaped violin. Why, oh why, is this not the Stratovarius? <laughs> like, I knew this was coming because I've heard you make the joke already, but you're totally right. The Stratovarius would have been a far better name for it. I mean, I would be fully behind it. Like, if it, if they went that committed to the pun, um, <laughs> I would. My opinion on this would be changed. But hey ho. So that that that's. That's by the boy. This is a like a violin-looking Telecaster based on the Stradivarius. Uh, it's a spruce body uh, with Bosnian flame maple neck, 22 frets, 9.5-inch radius. Once again, I'm pulling, um, pulling them up on this. A 9.5-inch radius. If it's based on a violin, it needs it needs a very round fretboard. Look. If you were going to do a 7.25, that would that would make more sense. Violins are more like a three-inch radius, I think. They're, they're very, very curved. So the fact that you've yeah. put a 9.5-inch radius on this is a little disappointing. You, you're not as committed to the bit as you, uh, as you should be. So um, you've got the horrible floating bridge that you'd have on a violin. Like this anchors at two points, and then he's kind of kept on by the tension of the strings. Yeah. Um, and the fact um, that they have gone to the trouble of including four different bridge pieces with this is, I mean, it's at least some some uh, consolation because we haven't told you how much it is yet. Um, but they've gone for... So you get like a bronze uh, saddle piece, you get an ocean coral, a buffalo horn, or an ebony uh, saddle piece that is included with this. It's got a graphite nut, and the um, the tuners are black to, to kind of emulate like the ebony toppers that you get on violins. Yeah. Um, the... The knobs are made out of ebony as well, so it kind of matches that aesthetic. Uh, you've got TV Jones Thunderblade pickups um, and also three piezo, piezo um, pickups in there as well to kind of make it versatile. Sure. Um, <laughs> That's for when you want it to sound like a violin. Yeah, I mean, possibly. These are very much like display pieces aren't they they are not meant to be played they are and i'm going to annoy you now by saying i really like the look of them i mean uh, to be fair like i i think they are well like they are designed to look like the violin and that that aesthetic they have done a good job on yeah yeah i think and that's the only positive i've got of it i think i think it looks cool um i think that I'd be worried that if I tried to do a, a step bend that the bridge might fall over. I mean, yeah, very much so, because violins are, like, not You're not meant- doing whole step bends on well, a fucking violin, are you? You're not doing any bends. Violins don't have frets. You don't need to bend. Yeah, you just rock your finger back and forward a little bit, and all of a sudden you've got... Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I mean, yeah. 
I'm wor- I'd, wor- I'd be worried about the stability. Also, if you change the strings like I do, where you take all of the str- I know you're not supposed to, but you take all of the strings off and then you put them back on again. If you do that, the bridge falls off. Yeah. Where does the bridge go? You <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got <laughs> FLs and <laughs> yeah, yeah there's... but it's, it, there's there's no like you've got to remember where they were in relation to that FL. Like, there's no like slot that it f- fits into if it's anything like the. Um, the mandolin that I've got, or like the violins that I've seen people change the strings on in the past. Oh, so, so these ones, it's not like a fully, um, fully floating um, violin bridge where you kind of have to intonate it by ear. It's, it's on two posts, I believe. Ah, right, okay. So that's so not not quite as bad, but yeah, I mean, still, like, it's like, it's not going to be a very stably tune. Like, I'm, I don't care if it's Fender Custom Shop. Like, guitar bridges aren't meant to float. I mean, there's, too Gib- much, there's far more tension. That's nah, not floating, do. though, is it? They're yeah. not floating. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're kept, they're held in by the the posts yeah, as well. Yeah, the, the posts go right the way through the fucking, you know, yeah, ten through, inches into the body, like yeah, through yeah. the through the maple cap at least. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, uh, I don't. Oh. I don't think they'll be very stable. And like, I mean, p- piezo pickups don't sound great on a guitar. Like, I mean, they don't sound great on anything. Like, nobody likes the sound of a plugged-in acoustic. They just do it because it's easier than micing the bastard thing up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have talked about this before, but yeah. yeah. Um, like, piezo pickups are are a compromise. They are fully, fully the compromise, aren't they? Yeah. And, uh, like, the TV Joneses, I'm sure, will sound great. Like, I love the sound of a TV Jones pickup in a hollow-body telly. Like, they'll yeah. just, like, it'll sound like a Gretsch, I'm sure. That's what it, like... It's a, in, in my head, the, the those type of pickups will sound like a Gretsch. Obviously, the bridge will make a bit of difference because you won't have Any the standard, bridge. <laughs> yeah. the standard bridge sounds that you you know the bridge generally makes quite a big difference to the sound of the guitar, what the material is, and oh yeah, if you've like, got bone or ebony as your saddle pieces, like it's gonna sound weird. It's not gonna sound what you think it's gonna sound like. I mean, like the fact that Telecasters sound like Telecasters because of the Telecaster bridge. I mean that is that's yeah. the, that's the tone science there, isn't it? Like it is, yeah. Like it's going to sound weird, but like I say, I think it looks cool. Like if they were if they were fifty quid and I could hang one on the wall, I think I'd consider it. But oh I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. fifty quid. Yeah, like once once you start seeing the AliExpress versions, <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I might I might pay like one hundred and fifty to get one shipped into the UK. Um, knowing full well that it's not going to play at all yeah um it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a piece of art for your wall yeah it's a, yeah it's essentially that yeah um they're 30k they're asking 30k 30k they're asking what did you say he's making 100 of them uh 60 of these ones oh, 60 so, so they're only making just shy of two million pounds uh I, yeah i'm not entirely sure how much of that money uh shishkov gets um, yeah, but like you know what I mean. Like it's 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 a ridiculous amount of money that Fender will raise from because I imagine there's not thirty k worth of his time going into each guitar. Yeah, I imagine that it's going to be like he's overseeing the project and he's sending it out to um, custom shop builders to to yeah. work on certain bits. Um, I I don't think he's going to be hand making sixty guitars. To the same spec. No, um, no, 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 I don't think you think you will. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's 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 a lot of money for a guitar, a lot of money for a guitar, and 
like I know that once you get past 6k really everything is just about the name of the person who made it and the the kind of you're, you're not increasing like you're not buying the most expensive woods because like once you once you've hit i would guess around 6k the more more money you're spending you're not buying better quality stuff you're buying like you know people's yes. time and you're buying the limited nature of that instrument are you yeah yeah and like you know, I, I get it. Like, there's expensive woods involved in here. There's there's restricted woods involved in here that they'll have to have got sign off to be able to use. And then, you know, yeah, fair enough. Like, that's that's an expensive process. And like, okay, he's spent some time designing it, but yeah, it's a it's a lot of money for a guitar that not that playable. And like, you might strum it occasionally just to go, oh, look at this thirty thousand pound guitar. But mostly, it's going to be a collector's item and. I just, I, I don't like guitars that are just collector's items, and I know you don't either. No, yeah, we're very much from the uh, the school of thought that is, like, if it's an instrument, you're going to play the fucking thing. Yeah. Um, and this this definitely ain't that. This is someone's case queen or, like, a, um, like a display piece in someone's house, isn't it, this? Yeah, it's the kind of thing that you can see in a glass cabinet in somebody's room, um, that you know they might occasionally when the most wealthy friend comes around and you want to really kind of show off you plug it in for two minutes and then put it back away and you know then get another play three years time when he comes back around again yeah yeah it's one of those it's like a, a banker's guitar isn't it yeah or oh, something that rhymes with a banker <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I think that's that's where we're at with that one aren't we I don't yeah. think we're going to have time to do both Let's do the epi, and we'll save. Uh, yeah. We'll save the gibbo for the next time. Promise. Um, it's pretty much the same thing anyway. But hey, hey. Uh, so Epiphone uh, are reissuing the BB King Lucille. They uh, they have had it um, available, like in the Epiphone catalog, a few times throughout my lifetime. So I know that they've definitely done it. So much so that I've played one of the reissues. Um, this one's obviously the new take on it, so it's got the new Kalamazoo headstock. Um, lots of the accoutrements are kept the same. So just to kind of recap on that, um, it's a 335 shape, but with no F-holes, um, which is interesting. Odd, odd, but yeah. But it works for it. It works for it. Like, it's still kind of semi-hollow, um, but it, it doesn't have the F-holes to project that. It's got the very tone system, so like a six-way switching system, which introduces yeah. different tone caps, which actually works really well. Like it, it gives you a real breadth of tone from two humbuckers. Um, yeah. I was skeptical when I when I tried one, and actually, it's it's quite good. Um, so I'd say don't. Don't hate on the very tone until you've tried one. It has the TR6 tailpiece, which is a Gibson tailpiece, which they introduced in like the mid 80s, I think. And they, they had them on uh, most of the standard line for, for a while. Uh, they weren't very popular. Um, BB King loved them. Essentially, think about the, uh, the thumb screws on a Floyd Rose. Now attach that to the stop bar of a Gibson guitar and you're pretty much there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's strange. It's yeah. re it really strange. It, it's a, it's a product of the eighties, but um, 
Our BB King loved them, and he, he had them on his his Lucille's. Uh, what else have we got? So we've got uh, five layer maple uh, top and back spruce binding maple um, center block, twelve inch um, radius on the neck. That's per like standard Gibson. It's a maple yeah. neck with an ebony board. Um, it's got uh, Alnico Classic Pro um, buckers, and it has got CTS pots in it as well so it's it's quite highly specced um yeah is it like in terms of like semi-hollow guitars it seems like a pretty good one it seems like a, a yeah. very very good um specs for something that isn't coming out of gibson um like if that was like the, the gibson versions were about like four or five k for the um the gibson lucille's yeah um if you put that in context, this is nine three nine euros, so probably about nine hundred quid. Yeah, I mean, like, and we spoke about this in the last couple of weeks, but if it's got Epiphone on the headstock, I'm not even looking at it. If it's more than five hundred quid, like, don't get me wrong, this is really highly specced again, like the one we talked about last time. But like, I just for that money like I, and I know it's a product of the fact that you know everything's more expensive now Brexit's happened the entire economy is up the shitter yeah. um, the pound is worth about the same as a piece of toilet roll um, so you know like it, it is what it is but like I'll, I'll always feel hard done by looking at Epiphones and Squires for more than 500 quid yeah, even we had, like a Mexican we, we had it good didn't we we had it good we had it good and then we ruined it. Yeah, I mean, like, we're not, like, just to put it into context, I think just before this podcast, I bought a Squire Classic Vibe. No, it was a, what was the, Vintage Modified. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the, the Jazzmaster, I think it was 329 quid. And I think then, like, the, I know the range doesn't exist, but, like, the, the similar kind of spec stuff is nearer 500 quid on the Squire side. And yeah. like you couldn't buy an Epiphone for more than five or six hundred quid, and now like they're 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 touching the grand if they're not already there. Yeah, and like it's I know I know like inflation is a thing, and you know time devalues currency, and yes, I'm well aware of the economics behind it, but I still it's it's, it's like it's exactly like when you say twenty years ago, and I go, oh yeah, the eighties. <laughs> but I mean, you you, you say that like. Inflation, inflation's gone up more than the the average wage has gone up. So actually, it the the deficit between what you can afford, like what the average average person can afford, like hasn't hasn't gone up with the inflation. So actually, yeah, the average person can afford less than they used to be able to. So yeah, th- that that guitar, even if it stayed the same, would still be more expensive to you. Yeah, so it's it's like the gap's getting bigger. It's seeming like more of a stretch, um, and like we remember the time when like three hundred quid would get you a good solid Epiphone, like one yeah. of the like standard lines, um, and now you're looking kind of four five hundred quid for these. Like- yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that Mexican guitars used to start at about three hundred fifty four hundred quid. Yeah, yeah, even less than that. I, I I'm like almost certain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm almost certain they were kind of. There was a two at the start. It might have Maybe been like two nine nine. Yeah, it might have been like like two seventy to two nine nine. Um, but I'm pretty sure I, I saw them for that. 
Um, yeah, or, and just it like it, it just baffles me then that you know the Mexicans are going for a thousand pound more than that. Like we talked about pre, I can't remember if it was pre podcast or just before, but like the the Monterey Strat was like twelve nine nine. They were going to release it or thirteen two nine, and you know, like they wouldn't have dreamed of putting a Mexican guitar out for that when I first started playing. No, I think that like they, the the peak of that was about six hundred quid, and that was like Mexican made, but like with all of the accoutrements. Yeah, it was it was all American parts just assembled in Mexico. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I remember a point in looking at like at an end of the line, um, like Gibson Les Paul. I think it was like a Les Paul Classic. Uh, so not necessarily the standard, but. St- to very similar specs to the standard very similar specs yeah Uh, and they were like 999 not even a grand yeah yeah and and like these days two grand is pretty much it isn't it yeah when i first got into guitar like i uh, like i didn't really know much about guitar like i knew basically what my favorite players played and they all played strats so i wasn't interested in a a les paul and i remember my dad like flicking through a, a, a probably a total guitar and it was probably the gack section that was always the back two pages Absolutely. and looking and going like yeah there were les pauls in there that like the les paul studio in the end of the line was like 899 and it's just like i mean these days they're 1500 quid and they come down to about 12 if you're lucky yeah and that's a studio like that's not even there yeah this is the studio so it's not even the kind of top specs ones no yeah like i say yeah I think two grand is realistically where you're looking for a a, a standard, isn't standard. it? Standard, yeah. Yeah, I think they list... Oh, I was talking about this the other day. When they used to have the, like, was it 2018 or 2019, they finally killed the number after them. But, like, before yeah. that, they always said, oh, yeah, the, the retail is, like, three two, uh, sorry, 2349 or something like that. And then by the time they hit the shelves, they were always down to about... 1999 but like yeah yeah your your standards were yeah they're pretty much two grand now and i I don't think that they actually drop as as much because they're not doing the the annual update that they used to do so they're that you're not yeah they're retaining the value yeah you're not trying to shift them out the store to get the next batch in so yeah they they, yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they're still on shelves like at two two three two two for in it for a less ball standard now which is a lot of money compared to what they used to be. Oh yeah, it's too, it's too much. I don't think they're worth it. I don't think they're yeah. worth that that price. Um, but there you go. <laughs> like we've put the world's to rights, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we we talked about the Lucille a little bit as well. Yeah, um, sorry, yeah. The, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. The, the specs on it are great, but yeah, I just the price point is just not for me. Yeah, and I think. I think it's it's in keeping with like today's standards for pricing. I just don't think we're happy about it. I don't think we're happy about pricing across the board, and it's not just this guitar. So I'm sorry that we're pointing pointing the um, the comments yeah. at the the BB King, but actually bring it in at like six fifty, and. Yes. We'll be and yeah, we can talk about it some more. But like the the thing for me is, you can pick up a Japanese Takai for that kind of money from you know the the nineties, and I've I've now played a couple of them, and I'd never really like I'd I'd seen people raving over them, and yeah. you know, 
but I've now played a couple. The, the bass player in, in the newer band has um, I played actually a three three five copy, um, and if I was going to spend nine hundred quid and it was a choice between the an Epiphone or that, it, it wouldn't be. There's, there's no there's no choice. It would be the Tokai every time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like some of those um, kind of late eighties, early nineties um, Japanese reissue kind of things like the Bernies and the Tokais and the Orvilles. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And that's the kind of price range they're sitting in. It's like, they're now competing with the, the high-end Epiphones, and I'm sorry, but, like, if you can get your hands on one, I'd be picking one of them over a, a over an Epiphone every time. And the the beauty behind buying one of those as well, you're getting a guitar that's, like, 20, 30 years old and has got, like, all of that beautiful natural wear. Yeah, it's been played in. It's yeah. been, yeah. Oh. And it... And because it's, you know, it was kind of a, trying to be a faithful reproduction, whether it was a, a clone or not is, you know, people's things. But um, it's not got three inches of lacquer of, you know, what, what's the one that's not nitro, of polyurethane. And that's that's my always my big thing with the Epiphones is they never feel right in the hands to me because it's 99 times out of 100, they've got like an inch and a half of polyurethane between your thumb and the actual wood. Yeah, yeah, and there's argument that that kills off the uh, the natural resonance of the wood as well, but I think all of that is is conversation for another time. I reckon it's time that we, we lay this podcast down <laughs> and we just, we leave it where it be. Um it's been an absolute pleasure this week. I've I've really enjoyed just ripping into some guitars <laughs> um, and like forty minutes of us talking about ourselves. It's been fantastic. Um, so thank thank you thank you Matthew thank you uh, thank you listeners uh, thank you Patreon backers you are amazing uh, you are the people who keep this podcast running and those people are as follows. Let's see if I can remember without the book. I've only got six people. How do I forget every week? Um, it's <laughs> Mr. Andrew Bimson, Mr. Adam Yeomans, Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects. Of sh- uh, I was going to say Chef Tone, then he's not a Chef Tone. <laughs> uh, Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects, of Masters of the Cinematic Universe, and of the Just Surprise Me podcast. We have got Mr. Hugh G. Rection. We <laughs> yeah we do. Um, we've got Mr. Ben Fletcher with Fletcher Pickups, and we've got Mr. Brian Gower of the Tone Jerks podcast, and soon to be of the Second Button podcast. I believe they've recorded the first episode, and it's going to be released very soon. I will be tuning in, defo. Um, if you want to catch me online, I am Mr. Budget Pedal Chap, and you can find me at. Twitch, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, no, you can't. Uh, you can follow me at Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube is the home to the No Talk All Tone series, which, as mentioned earlier on, is going to feature some pedals. <laughs> it's going to feature the Sonic Cake IR. It, well, it will have already featured the Sonic Cake IR, and then this week will feature the Acoustic Sim by ISET. And Matt, you are at Twitter and Twinstagram. Yep, heel underscore Matt Q. That is it. I think it's definitely time to wrap the podcast for this week. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's been amazing. Good. It's been a good one. I'm feeling this one. Um, so from myself, Mr. Budget Pedal Chub. From Mr. Matt Quine. Say bye, Matt. 
Bye, Matt. Hey, he did the thing. (laughs) It will be a tatty bye and good night for this week. Tararavit. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, Dr. Nick. Goodbye, everybody. does a musician live i don't know a flat <laughs>